And hello, 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 and happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to all of you out there, and welcome into another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. It is episode number 74. My name, as always, is Alex Reamer. I hope you all had a wonderful 4th of July holiday. I had a great time in Provincetown. Such a good time, in fact, I have come down with the gay cold. What is the gay cold, you may ask? Well, let's go to our friend Urban Dictionary. It was the word of the day, actually, on Friday. Gay cold. A cold prevalent in the gay community, triggered by the dissolution of Pride Month. So there you go. That's what I came down with in Provincetown. Maybe it was all my time walking in the rain. I can't imagine anything else I could have done there that could have possibly uh, given me a cold. Really can't think of anything. So yeah, so that's how I'm feeling, but we're battling through. Deliver another episode to you. Got a lot of great feedback last week on our show about how jock straps have made the transformation from sportswear to gay staple. Uh, Louis Staples, is an excellent writer who wrote that piece for another mag. If you've not read it yet, I highly encourage that you do so. I certainly saw jock straps in abundance in Provincetown. That's for sure. And now that I think about it, probably need to buy some more for myself. But uh, we have a few things on the docket today that I want to get to, beginning with the Olympics, because we are ramping up our Olympic coverage here at Outsports, the games are just two weeks away. There are going to be a record-setting number of out LGBTQ athletes participating in these games, and we will cover all of them and all the big stories to the best of our abilities at Outsports. But the lead-up to these games has been anything but smooth. Of course, they were canceled outright last year due to COVID-19. They're going to happen this year, but they're going to happen in hollow form without fans. A state of emergency was declared this week in Tokyo after a surge in COVID-19 cases. Originally, organizers had planned to allow venues to be filled up to 50% capacity with a maximum of 10,000 Japanese spectators and no overseas fans, but this surge... Japan's fourth wave of COVID-19 has caused them to reconsider. There's the Delta variant out there. So I get that. I get these mitigation measures. But I will say, not that I'm necessarily an expert on Japanese civics or the government in Japan, but I look at their vaccination numbers and I say the Japanese government has catastrophically failed when it comes to vaccinating its people, especially with the Olympics coming in just two weeks. As of this recording, Japan has vaccinated just a little more than 8% of its people. There's a confluence of factors, a slow rollout, a shortage of doctors and nurses. They have to import their vaccines from overseas. But Japan is a wealthy country. It is a very developed nation. You know you're hosting the Olympics. You've known that for, well, years. And this vaccine drive has been has gone so poorly and it's been so ineffective. 
And now we're seeing one of the prices, an Olympics with no fans. So we'll see what it looks like. And we do love the Olympics at Outsports, as I mentioned, and covering and cheering on all the LGBTQ athletes. But the Olympics are the prime example of the event where you have to separate what I call the person from the artist, or in this case, the sport from the organization. We do this all the time. The NFL comes to mind for me. I don't like a lot of things the league has done from blackballing Colin Kaepernick to domestic violence, the concussion crisis. We do like their initiatives for Pride Month, so that gives them some points, but everything else I'm not much of a fan of. And yet, every Sunday in the fall, I park my rear end on the couch, I turn on the Red Zone channel, and I love it. So this is not a new concept, but the Olympics and the IOC certainly are one of the more glaring examples of that, uh, that, 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 that game we play in our minds to ignore the ugly and embrace what we like. This, this event is going to cost $26 billion dollars. That's right, $26 billion after initial projections of it costing $7.3 billion, which is still a hell of a lot of money, but it's not $26 billion. And I would be interested to know if there's any city that has been better off after hosting the Olympics. Have they received boons economically? Have these massive stadiums been put to use? More times than not, the answer is no. The stadiums are abandoned. It breaks the taxpayers. The city gets shut down for the two, three weeks that the Olympics are in town. Years ago, people wanted this to happen in Boston, and I thought it was one of the worst and frankly stupidest ideas I've ever heard. I mean... They can't even get a hotel room in Boston when the Boston Marathon is going on. And that's one race. That is one event out of dozens of events that happen in the Olympics. Never mind the cost, the logistical challenges, the fact that we're too small of a city to hold this kind of event. It was just completely moronic. And then on top of that, all the special privileges of the IOC, separate lanes and highways, like, ah, F you. Give me a break. So we like the Olympics. We hate the IOC. That's the mantra here on this show. $26 billion. I mean, wow. I can think of a lot of better uses for that money, beginning with maybe vaccinating more of your population. But who knows? That's just me talking. I'm also outraged by this policy. That's been set forth by the Olympics. I may write a feature story on this over the next couple weeks. One of the big things about the games, of course, is all the sex that's going on. You have all these athletes, great-looking athletes. They're in peak physical shape. They're in their 20s, and they're looking to mingle. And as a result, we've seen condoms distributed widely at the Olympics beginning in 1988 to raise awareness for HIV and AIDS, and we've seen the number of condoms given away at subsequent games skyrocket. 
we had 8,500 at the Seoul Games in 88. We then had 450,000 at the Rio Games in 2016. Well, condoms will be distributed to the athletes this year in Tokyo, but they will not be distributed to the athletes until after the games have ended. That's right. So you get your condom after your event is over, after you leave the Olympic Village and go back to your home country. This is such a stupid policy for so many reasons. First of all, I mean, we just went through this in COVID. Do you really think that sex is not going to happen? You can't stop people from doing what they want to do. You can't stop these natural urges. So I guess there's going to be a lot of unprotected sex going on at the Olympic villages. Withholding condoms will not prevent people, in their 20s especially, from having intercourse. So that's number one. And number two, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I don't think so. Every athlete in the village will be COVID-free, right? I mean, there'll be, I don't know, the testing requirements, I imagine they're stringent, right? I mean, every pro sports league we've seen here in the U.S., if you test positive for COVID, you have to quarantine and you can't play, you can't participate. I imagine the same thing goes for the Olympics. So let's say that every athlete who's staying in the village is COVID-free. And I imagine many of the athletes from Western countries, certainly in the U.S., are already vaccinated. So what's the point of this? Who are you protecting? This is just what we call more COVID theater. And this really sucks for LGBTQ athletes who don't often have opportunities in their own countries to mingle with others or to proudly and openly be themselves. A lot of the countries around the world are still very regressive when it comes to gay rights, as we know. And the Olympics are the one opportunity for many of these athletes to meet their own. And now they'll be expected to do it without any protection. I mean, you you can't stop people from doing what they want to do. This will not accomplish anything Just another dumb COVID policy. So yes, I'm always in favor of the sex. That's one of the mantras of the show. Closing out, the last note I want to hit on is Derek Carr, who commented this week on Carl Nassib. He spoke to Michael Hawley and Michael Smith on the Peacock Network, their streaming show on that service. And these comments were interesting. They were very lengthy. I'll read you a couple of excerpts. First, Carr addresses the fact that he didn't send out a tweet to support Carl Nassib. And I think this is a very interesting answer. He said, sorry, see, it's the gay cold. Everyone was bugging me about sending out a tweet. And I was like, Carr said, let me find it again here. And I was like, this isn't something to tweet. I called the guy personally. He's my teammate. He's my brother. At first, I was shocked because he didn't know. He never talked about it to any of his teammates. 
His moment was when he grabbed his phone and did it that way. And I called him. He was working out, so I texted him. He sent a text right back. He said, Derek, you have no idea how much it meant for me, to me, for you to reach out. I'll let his words be his words. But to me, I wanted him to know. I totally respect that and love that. I mean, oftentimes, sending out congratulatory messages on Twitter is the definition of performative allyship. Derek Carr has been teammates with Nassib for years with the Raiders. They're obviously close. Like, yeah, your teammate comes out, you call him. You don't just send out a tweet. So great to see. Congratulations. And there was a lot of focus on the lack of tweets from some star players to support Nassib. We had J.J. Watt send out a tweet. We had Saquon Barkley of the Giants send out a tweet, a few others, but there was not this outpouring that you saw like when Jason Collins came out in 2013, where Kobe tweeted, LeBron tweeted, basically every superstar in the NBA publicly offered their support for Jason Collins. You didn't quite see that in the NFL, but Derek Carr's Quotes are a reminder that you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Yeah, your teammate comes out, you call him, you don't tweet. So, no problem there. Second part of Carr's comments, I have a little more issue with. More the phrasing, I guess. He said, the thing that's crazy is because he came out and said something and then that's how he chooses to live. If you come out, if you came out and said something with the way you choose to live, someone may not like that too. He just decided to tell you what's up, you know? And the thing in a locker room is we don't care. We're here to put our arms around everybody, at least the good teams, at least the teams that care about each other. We're here to put our arms around each other and help each other be the best versions of themselves. So when he comes to our locker room, will there be a couple guys? I don't know. I can't speak for everybody, but I can't speak for the majority of guys that have been around that we're going to wrap around him and say, bro, give great effort. We're still going to be in the excellence in football. How you choose to live your life is how you choose to live your life. Now, I'm not going to kill Derek Carr for these comments because the sentiment is great, if not downright beautiful. But that phrasing, this is how you choose to live your life, of course, is problematic and wrong. We do not choose to become gay. We are born gay. You choose to publicly come out, as Nassib did. But you don't choose to live your life as a gay person. You are a gay person. And that shows that there's still a lot of educating to be done in the NFL and I would assume for a lot of straight people like Derek Carr about what it actually means to be gay or LGBTQ. That phrasing, you know, I don't care how you choose to live your life, do what you want. Like the sentiment is good, but the phrasing is just wrong. No, no one is choosing to be gay. Though, if there was a choice, I would be gay because it's just way more fun. I hope that's the message that Carl Nassib relays to his teammates when they meet up in training camp. 
later this month. But thank you all for tuning in to another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. I'll be back next Saturday, the 16th, with more fun, maybe a guest, who knows. Uh, As I mentioned, we're ramping up with our Olympics coverage, making it through our summer. So long, every... And oh, yeah, I always say this. If you have any show ideas, guest ideas, shoot me a line. My DMs are open against my better judgment. At AlexStreamer1 is my username. That, again, is at AlexStreamer1. So long, and we'll talk to you next Saturday.